This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is incredible. You know when you get the text about your STI results? The three pie now. Lots, I've been getting the spreadsheets ready. He knows his stuff, this boy. Or go down the Harry Potter route and send an owl. Well, I think we should get on the Wembley headphones. By the end of the tournament, there may be a kiss. Edison invented the light bulb. And naturally, we had to get Mike Dean to a chicken shop. Be on the moon! (laughs) (laughs) Hello, welcome to the World Cup edition of That Peter Crouch Podcast with me, Peter Crouch, Chris Stark and Statman Dave are with me as usual. How are we, boys? All, All good, are we? Yeah, very good. Dave, yourself? Yeah, I'm doing all right, lads. Um, before I dive into a story, though, Crouchy, your setup at the moment is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, let's just quickly explain this. So Dave's in his stat cave. Um, I'm in my garage. It's absolutely fucking freezing in here. <laughs> I messaged ahead to my wife and just said, do you mind just whacking the fire on in there? Obviously, she hasn't. So um, I'm absolutely freezing. Crouchy, take it away. Well, I'm, I'm less cold. Um <laughs> I'm I'm away at the minute in what looks like a straw hut um, on the beach, uh, and I was worried about my sort of service to be able to make this work, but it seems to be better than my Chinese internet. <laughs> it is. This is the furthest away I think that we've recorded the podcast in terms of, in a weird kind of way, you are passing the pod on what I believe is the other side of the world. But we've done podcasts remotely before, but never I think from this sort of distance. Well, I think this is the closest I've ever been to Vanuatu, mm. uh, which is obviously a huge goal of ours to eventually record a pod from Vanuatu. And uh, if you're listening, Vanuatu, we'd we'd love to do that. Um, and and I think that will happen at some stage. But yeah, I'm on holiday, and obviously I broke a you know the, the, everyone's going to dinner uh, now, and I've uh, I'm I'm sitting here, so I'm not flavour of the month, but um, <laughs> it's 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 worth it for for the pod, I think. Yeah, totally. And it's what you've got to do every time. Every time I find that you've got to nip out and say you're doing the podcast and still that situation is met with the same kind of hatred as it always has. But it's well-trodden ground, this, you know? Yeah. I mean, she's, she's like, you know, you, you all you do is dick around. But in actual fact, you know, dicking around is has become my job. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. I, when do you tell her that you're going to do this? Do you do it just as you're arriving at the resort that you're staying in? Do you tell her on the flight there or do you just nip out and do it? It was um yeah, it was half an hour before we were due to record. <laughs> but what, I've, so good. what I've worked out though in in general in general life really. And I think this goes for maybe some some you know, young people in relationships is like you're better with you know, grief for half an hour. Than, than grief for a week yeah you know it's it just like it's, it's the same it's the same amount of grief as well it's like yeah you know it's, and, then, and then it's and then it's sort of like you're into it and it's done yeah I agree I um I think I think that's actually a really valid point to start this podcast in that I sometimes think or I'm sometimes it's suggested to me that if I give my wife more notice 
things will be better. But it's just not the truth of it. Absolutely, I can hear you. She said, "Oh, <laughs> oh." She said, "Grief." There's grief for five hours. She just said tonight. Oof. Yeah. Well, we'll move on. So, <laughs> oh God. So, basically, if you're new to this podcast, I think it's good to just reset every time. It's a little bit different to our main podcast throughout the World Cup. We've been recording it remotely. You know how it is. Normally, we do the podcast in a pub. Uh, we all get together, have a few drinks during the World Cup. Because not many fans have made it out to Qatar and it's freezing outside. So people aren't really out and about as much. A lot more people, I think, are watching it from their homes or getting into the pub and watching it in there. So what we decided with this podcast is we'll do it twice a week, but we'll do it from our respective places and just watch a bit of football, then duck out and go record the podcast. And actually, it's been really fun to switch it up like this. We've had so many messages from people that have really enjoyed this series and I guess we're only a couple of episodes away from the end of the tournament. It's been a great World Cup. I mean, let's be honest, the football has been sensational and I've enjoyed every game. Yeah, and we should say congratulations as well to um, the England and Wales fans. I was reading earlier, and it's quite unbelievable this, there's been zero arrests for the first time in any uh, major football tournament's history. (laughs) That is a dodgy stat, that, Chris. (laughs) Can't, can't argue with the stats, Dave. It's, do you know what I find funny when I read this article? And actually, I don't know where the stats are from, so I'm coming from quite an ignorant point with this. Um, but what I did find funny is there was, I imagine, a suggestion that that's kind of ridiculous, that there would be zero arrests. Maybe just say there was a few. Do you know what I mean? Even if there was a few... <laughs> Make up some numbers. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe there hasn't, maybe, you know, maybe there was nothing worth arresting me. I, I, I don't know. It's not really our podcast, is it, to go into all of that, but it did make me smile. Right, boys, we've got to talk about statistics. Probably your favourite statistic, Crouchy, the golden boot race. Who do you reckon's going to win it? Messi, Mbappe. Well, what are the stats on this, Dave? Because you've got, you, I, I know, I noticed you've got a few stats on this. There's a few assists involved as well. Mm. What? Talk to me. So both on five goals at the moment. We're obviously recording before the final. Uh, Messi's got three assists, Mbappe's on two. So at the moment, it means that Messi will win the golden boot um, via the assist rule. Crouch, do you think that's fair? I do, actually, yeah. I think if you're on the same goals and you contributed more to goals, then, you know, that's a good way of deciphering it, I think. Um, is it a situation where, you know, plenty of people will be saying it's a change of the guard? You know, if, if Mbappe wins it, you know, is he the next... Ballon d'Or winner, for instance. and But, you know, it's such a fine line because if Messi lifts the World Cup, gets the golden boot, it's like, you know, the, he's the best that's ever lived. It's like such small margins, isn't it? Can I just get Ab's take on the on, on the golden boot race? Great. Uh, quickly. Babe, uh, just who, who do you think is going to uh, win the golden boot, Mbappe or Messi? Well... Because of all the stick that I got over the Messi Carlos Ronaldo thing, I'm, oh. I'm going to say Messi. I'm just going to jump on the Messi bandwagon and say Messi. Mm-hmm. Although I think Neymar. You think Neymar? We... I know he's not in it, but I don't know. I've managed to get her into the Neymar documentary, uh, ah. and we're we're watching that in the evening. So she actually is quite into it because he's got a mad story sort of off the field as well, isn't he? So she's, yeah. she's actually got into it, but obviously Carlos Bellamoon will always be our favorite player. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Big Carlos. He's going to get a big move, Carlos, after this tournament, isn't he? He will do. He'll, yeah. 
he'll always be Carlos Bellamoon though. Doesn't matter yes. where he goes. Doesn't matter what the career leads to. It all started with Carlos Bellamoon. Not the worst name, to be fair, is it? If you didn't hear this, we had abs on the pods a couple of pods ago, and she uh, couldn't quite remember Jude Bellingham's name, and it ended up being Carlos Bellamoon. That's a better name. <laughs> which is really, really in the night garden, Iggle Piggle-esque. Um, but we love it. <laughs> it would be great it. to write a whole kids' book about Carlos Bellamoon, wouldn't it? It, it? it really would. And no one's tipped Neymar for the Golden Boot this year. Let's be honest. So mm, that, was, that, was, like that. that was a good shout. It is different, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to talking about the, the performance against Croatia? Messi, Argentina. Are they the favourites mm. going into this final? Oh, I don't know because France just seems to get the job done, don't they? I think um, the Messi factor seems to be, you know, him full of confidence. And I mean, what a performance. I mean, I, actually, Argentina in general, really. Um, Alvarez is someone that, you know, is almost, I'd say, friend of the pod. You know, we, we discussed mm. it before the World Cup saying, you know, he's he's going to be, you know, if it wasn't for Haaland, he'd be a Premier League sensation by now. Um, so for them to play sort of up top together and, and like you say, the rest of it being very workmanlike, they're obviously very talented. I like, um, Alexis McAllister, you know, I've got, the, I think mm. they've got, they've got a lot of talent in there, but it's very workmanlike, isn't it? To let them go and express themselves. And, and, and Messi is just, and, and I think it was discussed. I think Gary Neville said it when he was talking about PSG, when you've got two, three players, you know, walking on the halfway line, it doesn't work. But when you've got a team, around them you know as, as Tony Pulis would have said it you know you got the tip-tap Charlies and the ham and eggers and they've got a couple of tip-tap Charlies and a load of ham and eggers and I know that that's doing them a disservice that is doing them a disservice because they're very talented players but you you need to get the balance of tip-tap Charlies and ham and eggers right so what you're saying is Scaloni hasn't got using like uh, Enzo Fernandez in this kind of third false centre-back role it's the ham and eggers and the tip-tap Charlies that he's nailed <laughs> I'm explaining it in layman's terms as Tony Pulis would do. Um, and then, and there is a place for it. We've seen it with Holland. You know, they went, they went big men up top. Um, there's been a place for it in this World Cup and we're seeing it. And, um, you know, in 2022, I'm very proud of that fact. Do you think this tournament settles in some ways the Ronaldo-Messi debate? It, it was settled anyway, let's be honest. Um, I, I, and I, I feel like I'm doing Ronaldo a disservice because he's one of the greatest players we've ever seen. But as I said before, you know, I think if you, if you, if you understand the, the game, I, I think you, you need to appreciate that what, what we're watching is, is pure, natural genius. Something that we, you know, have not seen you know, my, the only one I saw was was Maradona, and I, I didn't see him live. So I, I, there's no contest for me that Messi is the best player that's ever lived. Yeah, and even down to how both have kind of held themselves throughout the tournament, maybe even going into the tournament, you could argue as well. But how both of them have kind of been in this tournament, do you think that has come at a time where both are looking... Uh, towards the end of their careers and people are trying to make decisions I mean weirdly people do seem to want to move towards an answer on both of them do you think this tournament has made that kind of chasm bigger oh it's such a horrible question because I think we we, we have to sit here and we I think we have to respect Ronaldo's legacy you know and is it is this also like a bit of a mad 
like why are we why are we doing this do you know what i mean <laughs> like no i agree i agree that's such a such a, isn't that but yes you are right you are right actually in a way in a way i suppose the other way you could spin it is just going these two players are such great players that it is human nature as football fans to be comparing and contrasting two players who are great in very different ways and trying to kind of get to the root of what makes them great. And that analysis has led to this weird sort of competition vibe, which, by the way, they embrace. I mean, you saw that photo of them playing chess. <laughs> you know, they do embrace it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. And I just think, do you think, you know, like Pele, you know, when he, does he, does he think, oh, just piss off Neymar? <laughs> Who was your one, Crouchy? <laughs> Who was the one that you always felt, you were getting sort of linked to without asking. Well, I, you know, there was a, there was a couple. Like, it's always a, always a big striker in the England team, wasn't it? It was like who's yeah. better? Like, you can only have one plan B, if you like. You know, Andy <laughs> Carroll, Andy Carroll towards the end. Um, you know, it's a different vibe. Do you know what I mean? Messi, Ronaldo, uh, Pele, Neymar, Carroll, Crouch. It's a different. <laughs> it's a different vibe. But you know what? Like that's 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 what we're dealing with, and that that was the that was the thing. You know. When I got I, I got left out the Euros in 2012, and I'd had, I'd had a good season that year, and I'd played every year. I'd played in two World Cups, and I played five, six years continuously for England, and then I got left out for the Euros in 2012, and that was the end of my um, my England career, really. And, and obviously, you took Andy Carroll, Roy Hodgson took Andy Carroll over me, um, and that was you know that was my Messi Ronaldo, um, <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, he came out on top that time, and that that was me done. Do you boys as well? I, I don't know if you agree. I think we've got to give an honourable mention to Morocco this tournament oh, yeah. as well. I mean, it's been fascinating. And and also just when they when they did get kicked out, it, it, I loved all the stuff with them. You know, it felt like a victory for them. They, it was super pride, no tears. They, they really have built something special there. I thought it was amazing that. I, I thought the story was fantastic. And I actually think they were a very good team. Um they were exciting. I thought they defended for their lives. I thought they were unlucky, um, you know, to go out. I think it was an amazing story, and I think everyone, uh, everyone really took to them, didn't they? And that was uh, that was something that you know the Moroccans, the the manager, and the players, um, and the people, you know, the, the 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 fans inside the stadium created such a good atmosphere as well. So um, a real plus plus for them. Yeah, it's really what you should have predicted, Dave. Actually, Morocco are exactly what we were expecting with Serbia. That's what I, I hoped Serbia would be. They had all the, you know, the defensive solidity that Serbia just did not show. But I think the big thing with Morocco in terms of their style and how they played and it was kind of that underdog story. A lot of the games, they were sat deep, they were counter-attacking, they were playing through. And I think it was just a massive shame to concede so early against France feel if they got to maybe 20, 30 minutes, they're in a game there and they know that they're going to, you know, they're going to have chances and so forth. But at the same time, one of the things that, come, you know, jumps out from here, I'd love to see a World Cup in North Africa. I think that would be amazing. Mm. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. And I think, um, I'll just think about some of the Moroccans that I played with, right? Um, Mustafa Hadji at Villa and uh, Hassan Kashlul. Uh, I played with uh, Osama Azaidi at, um, and so, some of the most technical players. Um, Mustafa Haji's technique was 
absolutely phenomenal. Like some of the skills he used to produce were, were and, and it's like if you can hone that and you can sort of develop it and structure it, like I, I, I saw that like a long time ago, do you know what I mean, with some of those types of players. Is there something that's a little bit the same with Croatia? Yeah, I mean, like I say, they were my... They were the team I was rooting for, I'll be honest, just because I love the, the the lads. They were just great lads. Um, they have always been good, let's be honest. Um, you know, if you think back to the Davos Suka times, the, you know, the Red Star Belgrade times where, you know, where Robert Prozaneski was was pulling strings. Um, they've always had really talented players. And uh, and I think there's, there's almost an arrogance sometimes from maybe people that don't, don't watch lots and lots of, 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 of football to write Croatia off as a smaller nation, but they've always had incredibly talented players. Do we think Argentina's housery at this tournament could be a key differential? I think it could be the difference. <laughs> if you've got that kind of, if you've got that kind of housery and let's touch on that because I saw, I was watching primetime ITV and I watched Ian Wright and, uh, and Mark Pugash refer to the Argentinians' behaviour as housery. Um, <laughs> and that was a special moment for, for us as a podcast, really. Um, mm. Though obviously we couldn't say shithouse um, regularly when we were trying to do the shithouse awards. We were told we weren't allowed to do it. So we developed the word housery. And to see it used mm. to potentially 25 million people was a special moment for us as a podcast, I thought. Question, boys. Have we got a link to Susie Dent at all? Could we get housery into the dictionary? It's a good question, Dave. And you know what? There'll be other people that won't have heard it. So um, so why don't we give it a blast now? If you haven't heard this, we did get Countdown Susie Dent to um, use shithouse as her word of the day. And she sent a, a kind of official definition and description of what shithouse means. Word of the day is shithouse. Noun. From the 1600s, um, a public shit house was where people emptied their guts. It was a toilet, guts otherwise known as arse ropes in those days, which is one of my favourite words. By the 1950s, a centuries later, shit house had become another word for any horrible place that went the same way as shithole. Or it could also mean a despicable person, which is the key to the footballing sense. Um, in football, being a shit house is viewed either as a dark art or a bit like being a pantomime villain, a bit gobby and a bit swaggering with it. Where does that sense come from? Looks as though it really kicked off in Liverpool in the 50s and 60s. And in one Liverpudlian dictionary of slang from the time a shit house is described as, again, a despicable person or a coward. So as Peter says, maybe jumping out of a tackle. Um, you know words really bedded in when you start to get riffs on it and now we have shithousery uh, winding up the opponent and shithousing as a verb and both of those really took off during the last World Cup. Um, not a lot of evidence that they're being used positively but it wouldn't be at all surprising if they do go that way because slang loves to flip bad to good and vice versa. Hope that helps. Bye guys. Yeah, because what Susie so eloquently delivered there, I thought, was, um, you know, when I grew up, a shithouse was someone who jumped out of a tackle, a coward. That was more, you know, but like 2022, we're in a world now where housery celebrated. Sh- being a shithouse is, you know, an Andy Robertson, um, you know, a 
and Otamendi against um, Holland. Yeah, and you get individual shithouse stars. But I think what Argentina have done so well this tournament is is sort of shithouse as a team. Um, it's wonderful to see the camaraderie housery, the comma housery, I guess. Um, they really have been practicing this as a team, mm. it feels. When one goes, when one gives it the ears, they all seem to get involved in it. Uh, apart from Messi, who just sort of walks alongside, just looking like the Don. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So we're not even spoke about the other team in the World Cup final. I think it's time to have a little chat about France. They could win it back-to-back, Crouchy. Does it feel a bit weird to you? As, um, I mean, Didier Deschamps has got to be the most decorated international manager of all time. I, I don't, I don't know the stats on this, Dave, but um, it's absolutely incredible. Like as a player and as a manager, has anyone achieved more than than Didier Deschamps? And, and I think this is mm. something that we, you know, you go into about being an international manager. Um, it's different, isn't it? It's different to being a club manager. So in, in terms of like the, the kind of raw numbers of it, only two managers have won it as a player and a coach, Didier Deschamps and Franz Beckenbauer. But only one manager has won it back-to-back. Vittorio Pozzo in the 1930s won it with Italy back-to-back. Wow. It's never been done again. Crouchy, you, you sort of touched upon there that you can be a club manager and a, and a national manager and then be two almost different things to deal with. Do you think there's a case here that you can be a good international manager, but maybe not make it work so well as a club manager? Well, I look at Gareth Southgate. I think he's done an incredible job with with England. Um, you know, at club level, he's unproven. Let's be honest. He's uh, you know not got an incredible track record. At, you know, at, at, at club level. Um, you know, obviously, he had not had much of a of a go at it really. But um, what he's done with England has been has been fantastic. Is that the difference then, Crouchy, you know, versus, you know, someone like Didier Deschamps? I, I completely forgot that he got to a Champions League final with Monaco in 2004. You know, he's then won Liga with Marseille at the, the late kind of 2009-2010. He was probably like switched on in club football then. Like now I'd say he'd be a little bit caught out. But is it more about managing the squad and making it feel like a club environment that's so important for international management? Mm. It's more sort of arm around the shoulder um, kind of management. It's it's not, um, you know, getting into the... It's not hammering people. It's not like it was, if you know what I mean. I don't think an England manager or an international manager can manage the same way that you manage at club level. I don't think that's possible. And, and I think they're two different skill sets. And I, obviously you can adapt and managers can adapt. But I think sometimes so there are managers who are more suited to being an international manager. Southgate's got to make a decision and I quite like how they're going about this in terms of allowing him to kind of say that he needs some time to work out what he wants to do next. I think it's a really respectful way of doing it. Um, 
there's something about the idea of Gareth Southgate being a manager in the Premier League, though. I just can't imagine. It would be so strange to see. Do you know what I mean? I agree with you. I agree with you. But, um, you know, he's got the credentials there now. If he did leave or, you know, he walked or he was pushed even, um, he's got the credentials there to get a Premier League job. You know, there's players or managers who have, uh, got far less credentials who have got top jobs. So um, mm. I think he's earned the right to be given a shot at a Premier League job. Does it, with with Southgate, is it like another position though, Crouchy? Within the current climate of the Premier League where we have fantastic sort of ta- tacticians, man managers like a Guardiola or a Klopp, and then they've built this system around them such as a director of football. Does Southgate suit a job upstairs maybe in one of these projects where like England he's there for a prolonged period of time or do you think it is more management every single day no I I, I agree with that Dave I think that's a nice point um you know I think he could build a structure almost Mm. if you like like I don't think it's all down to Gareth I think like I say I think the FA needs to to, you know they, they went away and looked at um you know I know firsthand that they went away and looked at Spain's model at Germany's model and 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 how they develop players and it was been a long process for bringing through great young talent now. But Gareth mm. Southgate was the the sort of head of that. You know, he's been involved with England for that amount of time, obviously with the 21s as well. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the club kind of structure would be something that he would definitely be suited to. But I think once you get the, the buzz and the taste for, for management, like <laughs> it's it's hard to, it's then very hard to go upstairs. Would you say the relationship a coach has with players is more important at an international level or a club level? That's a difficult one to answer. I think I think it's important at, at every level. I think the best managers for me that I've worked with have been the best man managers. Um, because as you know, like if you work for a boss that you like, that you're engaged with, you know, in whatever walk of life or whatever job you're in, gets the best out of you, the results are better. You know, it's a better, you want to go to work, you enjoy yourself, you get better results in whatever business you're in, I think. And if you're, you have a manager that you don't like, that is aloof, that you maybe, not that you, you probably respect him, but you don't, um, you know, like him. Do, you know, are you working at the same level? I, you know, for for me, that I've always worked best with people that I, that I really like and I respect and I want to do well for. And I don't think that's not rocket science, is it? I don't think, mm. you know, you need you need to be a personable person. No, I, th- I think that's a very good point. And I think also, just whilst we're talking about Gareth and we're talking about, you know, the role that a coach has and the role that a manager has, I I do think there is something great that we've had with Gareth Southgate in having an English manager managing the English team. I think it's been a really successful formula. And ultimately, if you were looking at what might be there instead, there's a high chance that that would be a foreign manager. And did you see, I guess what I want to talk about here is what Big Sam said. Did you Did you hear the quote from Big Sam? Was there another one? <laughs> <laughs> Sam Allardyce was asked about appointing a foreign manager. And he said... I know where the debate about having a foreign manager has come from because the women's team won it with a Dutch manager, but it's detrimental to the whole of what we have in this country if you don't pick a British manager. Right. So, hold on. He's not, he's not elaborated on that. He's not explained why he thinks that. He's just said it's detrimental. 
he's just said det- it's actually a very good point you raised there he's just gone it's detrimental full what? stop without necessarily <laughs> well he's not i guess he's just looking into the future with it i think you know when you see some of the names that are potentially linked with this england job and they're top managers right we have had an amazing thing going with Gareth, haven't we? And obviously that is not necessarily just down to the nationality, but hasn't it been special to have an English manager taking the English team to such high levels? I, I agree with this point. Um, I, I do. I, I, ideally, it would be an English manager to manage the English national team. But if Klopp or Guardiola fancied it, you know, are we are we going to say you know no? Like yeah. you know, they, <laughs> like they they are they're proven top managers. Like I, I agree, I agree totally, but I I don't think you know we should shut the door on 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 a manager that could lead us to a World Cup to winning a World Cup. Yeah, so Ian Holloway isn't going to be in with too much of a shot here. We're saying I love Ian Holloway. I've worked with him. Um, I think he's fantastic. Um, but, but like it, obviously his record in comparison to Klopp or Guardiola might not might not stand up. Um, but uh, you know, Big Sam's obviously is someone he had the manager's job. You know, it was there, and obviously I think he referenced he would have had it before if he was called Sam Aladici, uh, which was one of my <laughs> which was one of my favourite quotes. I'm a big fan of that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I think you need to elaborate more. I think I agree with the fact that I want an England manager to manage England because you know. You don't. There's no foreign players in the English team, and it should. Mm. You know, it's a national thing, isn't it? That's what it is. It's it would be like nice, but it's not the most important thing. I think. I don't give. I, I don't care. I, I'm yeah. not interested if um, yeah. Kim Jong Un uh, managed England if we won wow. the World Cup. Wow. <laughs> okay. Great. Amazing. Brilliant. Well, potentially, actually, there's a few issues there, but <laughs> I probably would mind a bit. But um, you know what I mean. Got to explore all avenues. I think and. <laughs> North Korea's one we haven't discussed. No, we haven't looked at it, have we? <laughs> Imagine, given that the embassy is just down the road from the Samrat, which, Dave, I don't know if you know about this, but the North Korean embassy is a stone's throw away from the Samrat. <laughs> we discovered this. It's un, it's unbelievable. Well, my mate's family live down the road. They, they live on the same road. I've got a mate who lives uh, four doors down. Um <laughs> From the Korean, the North Korean embassy, and it's it's opposite mm. Ealing, it's Ealing Common on Ealing Common. And sometimes when people go to the Samrat, Dave, they then go for they have a couple <laughs> of drinks, and then where we've run into a few issues is they go down to the North Korean embassy to pass the pod. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine we passed a letter from the FA inquiring <laughs> about Kim Jong Un becoming the new national manager. It's going to have a big wages, unfortunately. I think it might be too expensive. Be a hell of a reply, wouldn't it? It'd be great to see what they say. Should we give a couple of minutes to discuss the third place playoff? Um, what kind of mentality would you be in for this sort of game, Crouchy? Because it's no one really wants to be there, surely. It feels like, to be honest, it feels a bit unnecessary. Um, well, that's exactly what it is. Like The fans want to go home. The players don't want to be there. Um, not many people watch it. I don't think. I mean, I, I I'll be honest with you. I don't remember any third and fourth playoff matches. Uh, I, I'm sure Dave could maybe tell us if there's of any any of note, but I, I can't remember any. Um, 
no one wants to be there. I think they should try things in it. I think they should try things. I think they should try uh, numbers on the back of referees' shirts. I think they should try um, people running from the halfway line if it goes to penalties, you know, the old yeah. school penalty technique. Mm. Um, they should try a new VAR st- stuff in it. They should just go ro- go mad on it. Just do what you want because no one cares. Has anyone ever won the golden boot from this sort of match, Dave? That's you know, shit out of that. That is a great question. That is a mad one, that. that, that be, does that even count? That shouldn't even count. <laughs> what, goals shouldn't count in the no, third and fourth? No, no, no. They, they, if you score in the third and fourth, no. If you score in the third and fourth, it does not count. <laughs> so in the 98 World Cup, um, the third place was the Netherlands versus Croatia. And Davos Suka was on five goals. Batistuta was on five goals. And Vieri was on five goals. But Batistuta and Vieri were out of the competition. They both went out in the quarterfinals. Suka scored in the third place playoff and won the golden boot. You know what? Like Davos, I remember that. And Davos Suka was brilliant in that World Cup. And I don't want to take that away from him. But when he, when he does look at that... <laughs> he's got to have a little... He, I reckon third and fourth does enter his head. Sorry, lads. I just found another one. Thomas Muller won the golden boot because he got five goals and five five assists in the 2010 tournament. He scored in the three two win against Uruguay in the third place playoff. Really, <laughs> this is undiscovered housery. This <laughs> something that no one cares. Don't I don't don't watch them. And I actually, to be no. fair, I did. I remember watching that. But like, yeah, come on. So the the, uh, <laughs> the viewing figures. So from the last World Cup when England played Belgium in the third place uh, playoff. There was 9.8 million people in the UK watched it versus the semi-final against Croatia where 30.9 million people watched it in England. Yeah, it's one of those ones where you watch it if you're in. You know, the World Cup final, right? You make a date. The semi-finals, you're, you're there. The third and fourth is like, ah, I, can, I reckon 9.8 million people that you said there went, ah, there's a game, there's a game on. <laughs> May as well watch it. I do actually remember. I think the 2010 one that Muller won the golden. I think that was quite a good game. I think that was a bit, bit back and forth, wasn't it? But it was a good game, yeah. I don't think we've seen a good one for a while. That the Belgium England game was shocking. Well, anyway, it feels like we've hyped up that game enough, so we're all looking forward to that. Will we watch it? I suppose you watch it because you just know you're getting to the the end of the tournament. You just want to soak up any last bits of football. Yeah, it's, you'll watch it if you're in. It's that that vibe. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay, then. Great. Should we get some predictions in then, boys? So, predictions for third place playoff. And, yeah, we should do the predictions for the final. I guess the next pod we do will be after the final now. It will be. I am going to... Um... I'm going to go last in this prediction because I've I've probably been statistically the worst predictor on this podcast. <laughs> it's incredible, really. Um, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to stick my neck out for the third and fourth and say I couldn't care less. And then uh, the final, I'm going to say Messi will lift the World Cup. Um, I think it will be a humdinger of a game. I think France will give it give everything. I think they'll be. You know, two and a half. I think it'd be a real tight game. It'd be a great game to watch, but I think, I, I think it's the name. His name's on it, and I think Argentina will lift it. I'm going to go third place. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Morocco. No one cares. I think. I, I think. I know. No one cares. I think. <laughs> I think though they care more, and I yeah, think yeah. that's what will see them through. As in, they've already achieved a lot from the tournament. 
getting that third place is something to shout about. They're not kind of heads down after going out. I think, weirdly, there's a different kind of energy with them where the game will mean more, even though Crouchy doesn't. No, I agree. I, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Like, and also, their fans will stay. They, they've had a great tournament, and of course, they'll, they'll, they'll be taking it. They'll be taking that seriously, and they deserve to get third place, don't they? Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, I agree with Crouchy. Final. I, I think it's all just written now for Messi. It would be an incredible story watching him lift the World Cup. Um, yeah, I can, I can just see. It, you can see the script already, can't you? Dave, what drivel are you going to spell? Uh, I'm going to say Croatia are going to use some housery against Morocco and ruin it for everybody. What's this? He's going Croatia, France, isn't he? He's gone all in. He's gone all in. Committed. No, I, I did. Look, when, when we spoke about Serbia, as much as we thought they were going to win the lot, they were very much the dark horses. The favourites from the start were Argentina. I stick with that. But I think Croatia are going to win the third place playoff. Really enjoyed today, lads. Um, we haven't gone through as many messages. <laughs> we, I feel like we always say this as we would like. So, look, I promise next podcast, which will be after the World Cup final, uh, we will go through more of your messages. Plus, we'll give out some awards as well. We're looking for the most parched team. I think mm-hmm. we already know who's won that in our golden water bottle. And we'll think of various other awards as well. I think we'll do a little ceremony. So, yeah, next pod will be the last one uh, of this tournament before we then go again with the new series. So, please, make sure you send in any messages. You can do it by email, peter.crouch.acast.com. If there's anything that you spot throughout the tournament that you think that we should be talking about, anything you see in the final, any questions for Crouchy, you can get us in there. Or you can just, as always, just slide into the DMs. And um, we'll go through more of them in the next pod, right, boys? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm a big fan of the messages. Uh, we always get some of the best stuff out of it. So we will dig deep into them uh, on the next pod. Well, boys, Chumbawamba. Yeah, uh, Chumbawamba, guys. Yeah, Chumbawamba, everyone. And, and Crouchy, uh, what, what's the first drink that you're going to have? You've only just landed in the place, right? What's what's the first drink? I've actually brought some louts, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'll take a picture. I'll take a picture of a lout on the beach. I want to have lout on the on beach. Lout on the beach. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Brought to you by Lexus. Some things do more than their stated functions because exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. With its exceptional capability, you'll see possibilities you never knew existed, sending you far outside your comfort zone. But as much as the GX challenges you, it also spoils you. Its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to it. The all-new Lexus GX. This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? 
I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned round to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to loadofpricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Load of pricks, loadofpricks.net.